Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Amen. I was, this morning I was reading, and this is separate from the message as well, but it was just the story of of the friends that bring the paralytic to Jesus. And um, the first thing that Jesus says is, your sins are forgiven. And they start talking amongst themselves how, you know, who's this guy think he is that he's forgiving sins? And he says, well, what's harder to say your sins are forgiven or be healed and stand and walk? And so he says, so that you'll believe I have uh, the the authority to forgive sins, stand and walk. And the guy gets healed and he walks walks out of the room. But what stood out to me this morning as I heard that was the bigger miracle there was your sins are forgiven. That was far more of a miracle and far more difficult and the only thing that Jesus Christ could do um, than getting physically healed. Even if we uh, suffer some type of illness and get healed, one day we still will die. This physical body will die, but our spirit will never die. And Jesus having that ability and proving that, yes, I do have the authority to forgive sins, that was the miracle. And we look around now for, for physical uh, miracles that we want to see and touch. But the truth is, God is still doing the greater of the miracles. And He's doing the other miracles as well. But the greater is that our sins are forgiven. And that gives us the ability to abide in Christ, which is our message this morning. This morning we're in the third week of a series that I've titled The Real Lord's Prayer. And it's focused on Jesus' prayer found in John chapter 17. If you missed either of these messages, you can listen to them on our podcast or on our Facebook page on the Facebook live feed. And there's links to both of those on our website and you can kind of get caught up. But Jesus's prayer in the 17th chapter of John focuses on the oneness and unity of the body of Christ. His prayer is that we would be one like he and the father are one. And while this is key in his prayer, and we're going to focus on that prayer in next week's message, it's also a consistent theme from John chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through chapter 18, verse 11. All of those chapters occur in Jesus' last evening with his disciples, in his Passover meal, his last Passover meal with the disciples. And that theme of oneness and unity is found in all of those chapters. Before we get into this morning's message, I just want to point out four scriptures in these five chapters that reiterate and point out this theme of unity in Jesus' final teachings and prayer. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you would love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, everyone should know us by our love. As the body of Christ, we should have the same love that he did, and it should stand out to the world. The world should know. Everyone should know us by our love. In John fourteen twenty, Jesus said, in that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. We're to be one as a body because Jesus made it possible. Jesus is in the Father. We are in Him and He's in us. And then in John 15, 4, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. 
And this is the scripture and the passage that we're going to focus on this morning as we look at the parable of the vine and the vine dresser. And finally, in John 17, verse 10 and 11, Jesus prays. This is his prayer to the Father. All mine are yours and yours are mine. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, and that, that they may be one, even as we are one. So Jesus Christ himself prayed to the Father that we would be one, just like he and the Father are one. And as you can see, this theme of unity and the desire of Jesus that his bride, his body would be one, carries throughout these five chapters of Jesus's final evening, his final Passover with the disciples. If you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, you can go ahead and turn to John 15 and we'll be there in just a moment. Um, but I would like to remind you again, if you haven't already, consider reading uh, these five chapters. Actually, it goes into six if you go all the way to 18, verse 11. Chapter, John chapter 13, all the way through 1811, like we've said, all that was one evening. Read through that. Um, even if you did have a chance to read through it, read it again and remind yourself that all of this was Jesus' final message to his disciples. And I want to encourage you, um, as, as you study the Bible, as you study the Word of God, um, you may read through the whole Bible every year. You might read through books of the Bible. Or maybe every time you pick up the Bible, you find a different place to read and you just hop around. All of those things are fine. But as, as you can imagine, as, in, as I'm in this series, um, I've spent a lot of time just in these in these five chapters and reading it over and over. And that's something that I tried to do um, in other passages as well. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never studied the Bible in that way, um, try it out. Read the same chapter or the same section of verses, or in this case, if there's a, several chapters that are all about the same thing, read it and reread it and reread it and pray about it and ask the Lord, what are you saying in this? What are you speaking to me in this? What are you speaking to the body of Christ in this? And let him speak to you in that. And it's just a different way to approach the word and let God speak to you. And if you do try that and if you experience something different, I would love to hear your testimony about that. Share that with me. Share it with your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, I've been doing that. I've been trying that. And look what God's showing me. When we pour those things in, that's what comes out. I don't know if you've ever, uh, maybe there's a TV show that you watch and you watch that show over and over. Do you find yourself then talking to your friends about it and people that you run into and it just comes up in conversation because that's what you're pouring in. And if you get the word of God and you're pouring that in, it just starts coming out. And it'll come out and it makes that talking about God and showing that love that much easier. Because whatever you're pouring in, that's what's going to flow out. The last thing on that, and this is kind of a little rabbit trail, but uh, reading the Bible is not a race. Uh, myself and Pastor Daryl and some of the other pastors in the community uh, meet weekly. And we go through different books that, that study the word or... or um, certainly biblically based, and um, we'll go through those. And sometimes they'll suggest, well, let's read, you know, these are kind of short. Let's go through two chapters a week or through this three chapters or whatever. And I'm, I'm always the voice saying, let's just stick to one. Or if they're, if they're long chapters, let's cut it in half. And the reason being is when we get done with the book, you know what we do? 
We pick a new book. <laughs> We're not in a race. We're not trying to get somewhere, but there's some, it's like, well, I, you know, we just want to get through this book. And the same thing goes with the Bible. You know what you do when you read it all? You start it over. <laughs> you read it again. And if you've read a chapter and, and years go by and you come back to it, you read it again and you read it again and you read it again. It's not a race. We're doing it to get closer to God, to get closer to each other as a body. So let's, let's take our time as we go through it. And so when you're reading a chapter, don't just feel like, well, I want to go through this chapter so I can get to the next chapter so that I can say I read the whole book. You know, no, you're, it's not a race. You're letting this, His Word, the Word of God transform you. And let it do its work. Let it take time. Study it. Look on the internet of, of that chapter. Go to, you know, some of the Bible, uh, websites that we've mentioned, like blueletterbible.org and, and study out the words. Spend time on it and let it speak to you. So we highlighted those four, four verses a moment ago. Just to reiterate that Jesus' desire for us to be one as He and the Father are one. Uh, so that the world would know that the Father had sent the Son and that the Father loves the world as He loves the Son. And if you read all of those chapters, you're going to find numerous verses that state that theme over and over and over and over again. We just pointed out four verses, but if you read those uh, five and part of six chapters, um, you'll just see that message over and over and over and over again, that that was Jesus' point, that He wanted us to follow His example, to be one, to love like Him, to serve like Him. And I want us to keep that overall context in mind as we look at John 15 this morning. As Jesus shares this parable of the vine and the vine dresser, in, his, in this example from Jesus, we're going to see the importance of abiding in Christ. But also that when we abide in Him, that we're not only in unity with Jesus in us, but we're also in unity with the Father and we're in unity with the body of Christ as well. If you have turned to John 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It'll also be on the screen. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. There's a lot in just these two verses. First of all, Jesus says he is the true vine. And we will, we're going to dig into that in a moment because Jesus gets more into that in verse three. And you may have read these verses before, but there's, uh, there's something in verse two where Jesus goes on to say that the father removes the branches that do not bear fruit. I know you may have already been aware of that passage, but it's the second part of that that I want to focus on this morning is every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Have you ever thought of God cutting and pruning what's fruitful? You know, I, I read, and as I studied for this message, just read some of the, some of the history and what the vine dresser, who, who Jesus says the Father is the vine dresser. And it says He cuts off what's dead, and that gets thrown into the fire, and that's true. But it says the, the living fruit, the living branches, he's cutting off as well. And I think we often think, okay, if we're in him, if we're doing what we're supposed to, then life's supposed to be good, right? It shouldn't hurt. There shouldn't be pain. But the truth is that the father, the vine dresser, if you're taking care of, of, a, of a vine, 
that's bearing grapes, a vine dresser who knows what he's doing doesn't just cut off the dead, he cuts off the living so that what's left will be more fruitful, uh, better fruit, and more quantity of better fruit. And so he, they, they cut off the leaves, they cut off branches. Did you know they even cut off fruit? If you've any type of um, farmer or, or gardener or anything like that, you know that like if you see a corn stock just full of corn, you're probably going to have a lot of little corn. But if you were to take some of those ears off early, the ones that are left are going to get more life and they're going to get bigger and give better fruit, better, better produce. And so there's things that the Father wants to cut out of your life that would be a good thing. Like, if we looked at it, there, it's not a sin. Certainly there's things like that that need to be cut out, but there's also things that are good things that you may be doing with your time, with your life, that the Father says, yeah, that's all well and good, but it's not what's best. And it's not the fruit that I really want you to produce. And it's not gonna, the fruit that I really want to focus on, if you keep doing all these other things, that's never gonna get to where it needs to be. So I'm gonna have to cut this off, and I'm gonna have to cut this off, and we're like, ah, that hurts. (laughs) That was a lie, that hurt. But the Father says, I know what's best for you. I'm the vine dresser. And when He cuts those things off, we just say, Father, your will be done, not mine. Whatever you have for me that we trust and know that what he's doing is for our best it's for our good it's so that we will bear fruit so that we'll bear good fruit so that we'll bear much fruit and it's the fruit that the father desires so next time something hurts (laughs) that gets pulled out of your life trust god enough to know that Maybe that wasn't something that needed to be in your life, even though it appeared to be good and fruitful and something that you wanted to hold on to. But God said, no, that's not what we're focused on right now. All of my life, all of my energy that's going into you needs to go here to this fruit. Let's look at uh, verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to abide in Jesus Christ to bear fruit. The word abide is, comes from the word mino, and it's a, it means to remain, not to depart to continue to be present, to be kept continually, to last, to endure, to survive, and to live. And I think all of these definitions get the point across, but to me, the last two stand out. To survive, to live. Unless we abide in Jesus Christ, we will not survive. Unless we abide in Jesus Christ, we will not live. The only way to survive, the only way to live is to abide in Christ. In verse 5, Jesus adds that apart from him, we can do nothing. A few weeks ago, we looked at John 5.19, where Jesus told the disciples that he, Jesus Christ himself, could do nothing 
of his own accord, but only what he saw the Father doing. In Acts 17.28, it says that in him, in the Father, we live and move and have our being. Jesus was totally dependent on the Father. Jesus abided in the Father. And he says we are to be totally dependent on him, on Jesus, totally abiding in him. Just like we saw in last week's message, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do on his own. He gave us the example. He abided in the Father. He did exactly what he's telling us we're supposed to do, to abide in him. We're like the branches on the vine and we're to abide in him. This made me think of how fast a branch withers and loses its life when it's separated from the tree or the vine. Just not that long ago, I did some trimming on some trees in our yard. And I was just literally amazed. Um, and I came back not that long later. And all the leaves were withered and dried. The branch was already starting to be brittle. Um, and before it was alive. It had life pumping into it constantly, providing it all the nourishment, everything it needed to keep all the branches, all the leaves. If it had been a fruit tree, to, to live and to bear fruit. But as soon as I separated it from the tree, it began to die. Immediately. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he himself said, apart from the Father, when I was here, I could do nothing. The only way I was going to have life was to abide in the Father. The only way that you can have life is to abide in the Son, to abide in Jesus Christ. And as soon as we stop abiding, we start to die. We cannot live. We cannot bear fruit. We will not survive in Christ if we don't abide in Christ. And He gave us that perfect example. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for us. How important it is for us to abide in Him. And we literally can do nothing apart from Him. Take a look at verse 6. It says, If anyone does not abide in Me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So just like the branches that I cut off from my tree had no value any longer, Jesus is saying that branches that do not abide in Him are going to be, or they're going to wither. They're going to be thrown away. They're going to go into the fire and be burned. But if we abide in Him, we're going to bear much fruit, which will prove that we're His disciples and it's going to bring glory to the Father. That's another thing that Jesus' whole life was an example of. It was all about glorifying the Father. And the Father was all about glorifying the Son. And Jesus and the Father are all about glorifying the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is all about glorifying the Father and the Son. They can't glorify the other enough. Think of your, if, if our marriages were examples of that, that all we wanted to do was do what we could for our spouse and, and do everything that we could for them. 
But they're not worried about what's for them. They're doing everything they can for you. Or if as the body of believers, we were serving one another and saying, I love you so much. You're part of the body of Christ. How can I encourage you? How can I love you? How can I lift you up in your trials and what you're walking through? And they're doing the same back. Imagine the life. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's the example that he gives us. And the world will know you by your love. And the Father will be glorified because they're going to know you're His disciples because you bear much fruit. How can we bear much fruit if we abide in Christ? And if we don't abide in Christ, there's no fruit. There's no life. In verse 9, He goes on and says, As the Father has loved Me, so I have loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Once again, we see that Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that He didn't do Himself. He asks us to keep His commandments, to abide in His love, just like He kept the Father's commandments, and just like He abided in the Father's love, so that my joy may be in you. How would you like to have the joy of Jesus Christ in you? And that your joy may be full. We think it's a sacrifice. We think it's a sacrifice to follow God and do what He's calling us to do. But the truth is, if we're doing those things, we're going to be abiding in Christ. We'll be getting life from Jesus Christ Himself. The Father will be taking out everything that's not part of His plan for us, pruning out everything that isn't what's best for us. It's the best thing you could possibly do. It's the best life you could possibly have. Does it mean that it's not going to be full of trials and tribulations? No. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He promised it. It's a promise. I guarantee you, you will have trouble. But abide in me. Get your life from me. Get your purpose from me. Do what I have called you to do. And it doesn't matter. No, everything's not going to be okay in the sense of our worldly circumstances, in what we want, the way we want it, and when we want it. But it's going to be absolutely perfect in the Father's eyes. Jesus lived the perfect life, followed the perfect example, abided in the Father, loved with the love the Father loved Him, did everything He was commanded. And He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was persecuted. He had to serve at levels that we don't even understand or could ever comprehend. And then he had to go to the cross for something he was totally innocent of. So no, it's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be problem free. But if we abide in Christ, we can walk through anything. Because he promises he'll be with us. And in any circumstance, in any situation, His life, His blood, His love will be flowing through us because we're abiding in Him. 
We stay in Him. Verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that somebody, someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you so that you will love one another. We're chosen and we're appointed to go and bear fruit and that our fruit should abide. These things he commanded so that we would love one another. This parable of the vine and the vine dresser fits into the larger discussion that Jesus was having with the disciples on the night of his last Passover meal with them. In different ways, he communicated how important it was for them to love one another like he had loved, to serve one another like he had served, and to be in him and obey him like he had been in the Father and he had obeyed the Father. When we abide in Christ, we are in unity with Jesus and we're in unity with the Father and we're in unity with the whole body of Christ because we're abiding in the same vine. Jesus Christ is the vine. And when we abide in Him, we're all in the same vine. We're all getting our life from Jesus Himself. So of course we're going to be one. We're one body. Part of one vine. And when we abide in Him and allow the Father to prune us as needed, we will bear much fruit. And that fruit will abide and will prove to the world that we're His disciples because of our love. I want to close this morning with Romans 15, 1-7. You can turn there if you'd like, but it'll also be up on the screen. I th- and I think this passage not only reiterates everything that we've been talking about, but it gives us one of the main reasons we are to be one as the body of Christ. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Build each other up. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. You know, if you want to practice what I said earlier about reading the same scripture over and over and dwelling it on a while, Romans 15, 1 through 7 would be a good one. When I read this one, it was, I mean, I've read it before. I've read it probably more times than I could count. But the last time a month or so ago that I read it, it was just like a punch in the gut. I was like, oh. 
You who are strong, bear with the failings of the weak. You're supposed to be there for those in need, who need help, who need encouragement. But we've gotten used to a culture that says it's all about me. It's what I want. And it it literally says, don't do the things that would please yourselves. Don't figure out what you want and then work everything uh, so that that's what you get. It says the strong are supposed to bear with the weak. We're supposed to serve like Jesus served. And it, it goes on to that. It, it, it says Jesus was our example. Just like Jesus Christ did. Just We can be one in Him. It just reiterates everything that we've read uh, and have been looking at in John. We have to be there for each other. We're one body. The thing that came to mind was um, when something goes wrong with our body. If you had a sore on your foot, the rest of your body knows that your foot's sore. You may limp or you're trying not to put pressure on it. You may go to the doctor to see what can be done to make it better. If you get a cut on your hand, if you have a headache. I mean, just anything that goes wrong in our body, the rest of the body says, hey, something's wrong with whatever. It needs attention. And the rest of the body that's healthy, that's good, says, we're going to take you (laughs) to get help. We're going to bandage you. We're going to get medicine. We're going to do whatever it takes. Because this isn't good for the body. That's what Jesus has been saying. That's what Romans says. And I have seen over and over and over and more times recently than I would like people whose lives are literally falling apart. And these are people in the church. And they didn't have any relationship with anyone where they could say, I'm hurting. I need help. And they went through it on their own. And in some cases, and this not here, um, but relationships that my wife and I have that we found out after all the damage was done. And we had a relationship that they could have reached out. But either from shame or I can handle it myself or along the way. How many of you have ever had an injury that needed to be taken care of, but you waited? I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm sure Amanda can give testimony after testimony of people who waited too long to come to the doctor. I don't want to bother the doctor. He's just going to tell me what's wrong. (laughs) He's going to tell me what I have to change. She's going to tell me I have to eat better. She's going to tell me whatever. And so they waited for whatever reason. But they were part of the body and they kept it to themselves. And it destroyed them. And it got worse and worse and worse. And that's what happens. But then there's times that somebody does reach out. They are waving their hands. They are drowning. They're saying, help. And we just say, I've got my own problems right now. I'm too busy. And Jesus is saying, you've got to take care of the body. So when you see part of the body hurting, 
you who are strong, take care of the weak. But I also want to encourage you, you who are weak, let us know. If you keep it to yourself, there's nothing we can do. We can't be there for you need relationships in the body for us to live and for us to be a healthy body in Christ. We have to abide in Christ together. We're supposed to pray for each other, encourage each other, lift each other up. But we can't do it if we don't know. For I pray that when we know, we'll answer and we'll be there for each other. Even if it's not comfortable. Even if it takes us out of our way. Even if it's inconvenient. That we would love the body like Christ loved the body. That we would love each other like He loved the Father. And the Father loved Him. He says, that love is in you. And the Father loves the world with that love. And they're going to know you by your love. When we love the whole body as we love our part. As much as we love our part. Can you imagine if we loved each other as much as we loved ourselves? Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank You. I thank You that You gave everything because You loved us. Father, I pray that, that through Your Holy Spirit, through Your power, that we would abide in You. That everything, Lord, that as we live and move and have our bring, that all of that life would be coming from You. From abiding in Christ Jesus Himself. As You are in Me and I'm in You. As we are in You and You are in us. And You and the Father were one body. Father, give us, give us Your love that we would treat each other that way. That we would be an example of your love. That the world may know that we're your disciples. Because we're different. Because we really love each other. And we'll really encourage each other. We'll really pray for each other. We'll really lift each other up. The strong will take care of the weak. And the weak will be made strong. And they'll take care of others. Father, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.